Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Psalms 138, Mark 11:23. also. Shall we pray before we study God's Holy Word together? Our Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you for your holy written Word. Knowing that it's sure, it's steadfast, it's true, it's eternal, we can trust our lives to its provisions. It's been tested and tried, found to be faithful, good, and trustworthy. We thank you, dear Father God, for the anointing upon our ears to hear accurately, our hearts to receive, our minds to be open. And as an act of our will, we say that we are attentive, we will not be distracted, we will receive what you have to give and share with us this morning by your Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you to unveil to us the deep, rich treasures of the Word and to enlarge our capacity to receive revelation knowledge of all things that pertain to life and godliness. We thank you, dear Father God, for utterance in the Holy Ghost to boldly proclaim the truth of your word in demonstration of your spirit and power that our faith would stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. Psalms 138, I will praise thee, verse 1, with my whole heart before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. Now notice this, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. If we desire to possess strong faith and to get God our Father actively involved in the affairs of our lives, then it is absolutely essential that we develop a proper attitude toward His holy written word. Now we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but I want to remind us of this, because it's essential, it's absolutely important. If we are going to have strong faith and if we are going to get the Father actively involved in the affairs of our lives, we must develop a proper, positive faith attitude toward His holy written word. We must hold His word in high esteem, just as He does. Here it says that He has exalted His Word above His name. In other words, He holds His Word in high esteem. Some things He said with regard to His Word, God is not a man that He should lie, nor the Son of Man to repent. If He said it, He'll do it. If He spoke it, He'll make it good. Numbers 23, 19. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, that shall not return to me void. It shall accomplish what I please and prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Isaiah 55, 11. That's what He said. Jeremiah 1, 12. I watch over my word to perform it and to make it good. Matthew 24, 35, Jesus said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will not pass away. So in other words, God's, God holds His word in high esteem. And if we want to develop a strong faith life, and if we desire to have the Father actively involved within the affairs of our lives, we must maintain. See, we must maintain a proper, positive faith attitude towards His holy written Word because our attitude towards His Word determines the place that He holds in our lives. And you know what, beloved? We can very easily let that attitude of ours slip. And we get to a place that, yes, I know what God's Word says. And it's not really coming out of the heart. Our circumstances weigh heavier than what God's Word weighs upon our hearts and minds. And when that happens, see, we're losing out. Our faith life is effective. Our faith can begin to wane and diminish. And that's why two weeks ago the Lord spoke to my heart and said, I want you to help me instill within the hearts of my people a fresh new attitude toward my holy written Word. And I believe that we've accomplished that. I believe that many, many have a fresh new attitude towards God's holy written word. If God said it, boy, it's good. If God said it, He'll do it. If He spoke it, He'll make it good. Has that been rising up within you? Glory to God. God cannot lie. It's the immutability of His counsel. He said it, swore by an oath. God said it's got to be so. No matter what my circumstance dictate to me, God's word says it, it is. Well, we want to use that as a platform and go from there and turn to Mark eleven twenty three. Mark eleven twenty three. The scripture says, For 
Verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. For truly I say, Well, if Jesus said it, it must be good, because he said it. And does God honor his word? Does he watch over it to perform it? Will, it? will it accomplish the purpose of his will? Amen. So, for verily I say unto you. In other words, Jesus is conveying to us a truth. Revealing to us the law of faith. And notice what he says. That whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. I believe in some things. Do you believe in some things? I believe in a lot of things, but I tell you what, it's very important to believe that the things you say are coming to pass. Because if we don't believe that the things we say are coming to pass, then we're going to have some things that we are saying that we don't want to come to pass in our lives. But let's take the scripture for what it says. For truly I say to you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith, and those things are words, will come to pass, he shall have, not whatsoever he believeth, but whatsoever he saith. Three times Jesus emphasized say or words. One time he emphasized belief. If we believe within our hearts... In our words, that what we are saying from our hearts with our mouths will come to pass, we will have whatsoever we say. Our lesson this morning is entitled, The Importance of Our Words. The Importance of Our Words. And it's just like this, dropped inside my spirit. First of all, if we want to have a strong life of faith, and if we want to get God actively involved in the affairs of our lives, we must have a proper attitude towards what God has said or towards God's words. But secondly, if we want to develop a powerful, strong life of faith, then we must also develop a proper attitude towards our words. And, you know, many times faith has been preached, I'm sure, in, in all the churches throughout uh, the, the nation and the world. But how often in connection with faith do we emphasize or have we heard emphasized the importance of our words? We hold God's word in high esteem, and rightfully so. We should. But when it comes to the teaching of our own words, the very words that we speak, that we use day in and day out. And I don't know, somebody had no, nothing to do, I guess. And so they put together, you know, for us uh, an idea as to how many words we speak throughout the course of the day and came up with a figure of twenty-five to 30,000. Can you imagine that? Did you get that? 25 to 30,000 words throughout the course of a day? Do we believe in our words? I wonder just how much we do believe in our words. We use so many throughout the course of a day. How many of those words are against the plan and the operation of God's word? How many of those words are in harmony with His plan and purpose for our lives? You see, beloved, many of us read scriptures like this, Mark eleven twenty three, and say that's a beautiful scripture. It contains a beautiful truth. It reveals a beautiful law called the law of faith. But that's about as far as we go with it. We don't really focus in on it diligently act upon it so that we can develop in it. We just are thankful that we've learned it and we more or less just say, well, that's good, I've learned it. But that's as far as it goes. And I know the Father has spoken to my heart and said, I want you to do two things or to aim your lesson at two different groups. Number one, for those who have never heard solid, sound teaching 
on the importance of our words as given from God's holy word, the Bible. Aim it at them so that they can be informed as to what the Bible has to say about the tongue and about the words of our mouth. And number two, for those of us who have heard teaching along these lines, and I'm sure in this congregation of people, that's many of us, we've heard teaching along these lines just to instill within us an attitude that will motivate us to do something more about watching the words of our mouths and using the words of our mouths properly as God would have us. And so we want to do that. And we see here in this first scripture that whether we realize it or not or whether we accept it or not, we are experiencing in our lives today the things that we spoke out of our mouths yesterday. That is a truth, whether we accept it or not, whether we realize it or not, whether we choose to recognize it or not, the things that we are experiencing or having in life today, right now, are things we spoke out of our mouths yesterday in days gone by. Why? Because it's a law. Jesus said... You shall have whatsoever you saith. It's a law that pertains not only to the life of the believer, it's also a law that pertains to the life of the non-believer. And some of those who are out there in the business world, they've learned about these particular laws. Of course, they came from God's holy word. Man didn't make them up. And they began to use them for their own benefit and for their own good. They've taught people how to be positive in their attitudes, positive with their words, positive about their appearance, how they present themselves, positive in their business attitudes. And consequently, they have developed themselves in, in, in presenting themselves in a positive way. And they've experienced success in the financial world, in the business world, etc., etc. Some of those who are involved in, in uh, mind science religions have a limited success, a limited degree of success because they have learned about the words of their mouth. And, of course, they use the words of their mouth properly to get certain things that they want in life. Now, we're not talking about mind science. We're not talking about just the business world. We're talking about the law of faith as defined by the Lord Jesus Christ Words that were spoken by Almighty God Himself that must be fulfilled in their season. We're talking about something that Jesus said with regard to our lives. We are experiencing today in life the things that we have spoken yesterday. And it's true within our lives it is, as it is in the, in the lives of others. And let me just share that with you briefly. When I played football in high school, and I wasn't a believer at the time, I injured my knee in the last game of one of the seasons. A fellow hit me from the side and my knee went all the way down to the ground. And I finished out the game. I was a little bit sore during the game. I finished out the game. But when I woke up in the morning, that knee was so swollen up. That, I'm, tell, I'm not exaggerating. That thing was so huge, so big, I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk the next day. I mean, I went to school like this. That was it. And I'm not exaggerating. But, you know, I was, I don't know how I was. I just was one of those teenagers, I guess. Just hard-headed, stubborn, and everything else. I'll be quite frank about it. I didn't want to go to a doctor. I didn't want to hear about any needle drawing water off my, my knee. I didn't want to hear anything like that. Forget it. You know, my dad had his own method. And, you know, dear Lord, I didn't want to see him when he came home from work that afternoon because his method was just pull it, it'll work. And I thought for sure, when this man comes home from work, I mean, I'm in agonizing pain. And when this man comes home from work, he's just going to see me with my knee like this, sitting up there on a the couch. And the first thing he's going to do is say, let's pull it. <laughs> so finally, when he came in, I said, you're not going to pull it, are you? And he said, no, why do you think that? I said, you, that's your remedy for everything. Just pull it, you know. <laughs> Bless his heart, he's not here to defend himself. Today. <laughs> but... I went to the team physician. He saw the knee, and of course, they recommend surgery, and you tore the ligaments, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know the story. You've seen football players have the same injury. I'll be quite frank about it. I refused it all. I want to show you how stubborn and hard-headed I was. 
I was stubborn and hard-headed, but I was stubborn and hard-headed in faith and with the words of my mouth. I said, I don't need operation. I said, I don't need surgery. It'll be okay. Now, the average person would submit to it. And don't, I don't knock it if, if that's fine. Go any route you want to go. You know, this is my personal life, and I've never pushed my convictions over off of somebody else. But I was not a Christian at the time. I want you to know that I suffered throughout the rest of that school year. I had to get a pass to leave class 10 minutes early because it took me 10 minutes to get next door. I refused to use crutches. And I'll tell you why I refused to use crutches. Because when I was young, my brother used crutches. And one day I stood at the top of the staircase with his crutches. And my brother's taller than I am. And I didn't know how to use. I was just a young, you know, thing. And I guarantee you, I didn't need an elevator or anything. I went from the top of the steps to the bottom of the stairs and didn't touch one step in between. Didn't even hit my head upon the top of the ceiling. Went straight down all the way. I said, I won't use those things. Forget it. Experience is a good teacher. I learned in the school of hard knocks some things in life, and I didn't bother with it. Believe you me. I refused to do it. But now I want you to know something. I just had this thing in me. I just enjoyed football so much. I love playing football so much. I just said, I'm not going to be ruined. I'm not going to be destroyed. I'm not going to have to submit to surgery. It'll be all right. I, I told my parents that. I told the coach that, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and I went right through that winter season. And once you find me out there on a nice day in January, you know, by this time, and this is talking about, you know, November or October, late October, when this had happened. And by that time, I could just move it, you know, a little bit more. But I'd get out there on the street, just, just crazy. Get out there on the street with my friends and play football like this. I'd do that. And boy, sure enough, I would hit that thing again and it would just hurt all the more the next day. And I'd say, you know, I've got to stop doing that. But i just say, it's okay. I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to play football next season. This knee right here. I said, I'm going to play football next season. I will. You watch. Everything's all right. So I didn't know about any spiritual law. I didn't know about faith. All I knew was I wasn't submitting to anything else. I was just going to do it on my own. And you know what I did? Something else a lot of people don't recognize or realize. It's important to exercise. It's important to do, to do some things that's going to promote health to that part of your being. And I just got on the weight program at, at the school, and I just began to do some leg lifts with that thing. I mean, you know, we're talking about you should have surgery here. You should have, you know, blah, blah, blah. Take the water off. And you're not going to stick a needle in my knee. That's all there is to it. You might as well just forget that. And you're not going to cut it open. You might as well just forget that. But I was just tenacious in that. I'm telling you, I just says, I'll be okay. And I just begin to speak that out and speak that out and speak that out. I played ball the next year. I played football that next fall. I didn't have any surgery. I played football the next fall. But you know when I really be, it really dawned on me about that injury that I experienced... When, when, we, when the church was down in Midland and we used to play basketball at the Lincoln High School Auditorium, the gym over there, rather, and we played basketball there, and that was in the first couple of years, ever since Jason's been born, I hadn't been able to play basketball. The third one takes up all your time. And so what I, what I did, I went down there and I began to play. I don't even know if the fellows even know this, but I, I began to play, you know, and I would go there and play with, with, with the guys once in a while. But that same knee, as I began to run on that leg, just began to swell up. Got huge. And I felt every, just every bit of the pain and everything else inside that knee, as I did when I was back there in high school, walking around with that thing just swollen up. And I consciously remember the fact that I, just, I wouldn't use anything else but my faith back then to believe that I would be okay. And you know what? Right there on, the, on that court... I want you to know that I see it. No one saw me do it, but right there on that court, I just looked at that thing and I said, you're healed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I prohibit, refuse to allow you to act up any longer. I finished playing that game. That thing went right back on down to normal, and I've been jogging four miles a day almost ever since. Three and four miles a day. It doesn't bother me. You see, my brother and sister, these are things that we've got to take to heart. These are things that work whether we're a Christian or whether we're not a Christian. But when you become a born-again believer and you understand that these are the principles of faith as laid down in the Holy Scriptures, then they're that much more powerful in your life. But I want you to realize this. I did this as a non-believer. Now, see, I, I look at those things on this side of Calvary. And I recall the kind of attitude that I had then. 
and I realize how much more effective it is in my life right now because I've got God's word for it. Hallelujah. Do you see that? I've got what God said about it. I'm experiencing right now in my body, in particular in my knees, what I said by the words of my mouth yesterday, beginning when I wasn't a believer, and more so now that I am a believer, and I've got the power of God activated on my behalf to enhance it. So I thank God that I can still run, I can still jog, I can still play ball, I can still cut, I can still maneuver, etc., 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 even though I had this happen. And once again, what did he say in Mark eleven twenty three? See, we've got to be patient with the things of God. Sometimes we're just too quick to act, and we're not patient enough to let faith have its work. Do you see that? No, it wasn't an automatic process. But my brother and sister, I'd rather take it this way than any other way. I thank God for these truths. Now, here we see that Jesus says, this is a truth. The things we experience in life today are the results of the words that we spoke yesterday. Jesus taught in this particular verse of Scripture that we are to believe in the importance of our words. We are to believe that the words that we speak from our mouth have authority and power. We must strongly believe that what we say will come to pass. And if we have that strong belief in our words, believing that what we say will come to pass from our hearts without doubt, he said we will have whatsoever we say. Now, this is not apart from what his will is for our lives. This is in connection with and cooperation with what his will is for our lives. We cannot misuse this law. We cannot violate this law and expect it to work to our benefit. Just like we can't violate other natural laws and expect them to work to our benefit. You don't jump off of a building without a parachute and think the law of gravity is going to work to your benefit. It's not. I guarantee you it's not. And the same thing is true here with regard to the law of faith. We can't just say some things out there that have no foundation. Our foundation must be found within the Word of God. When we find out what God's Word says about things and base our confession upon that, our belief upon that, and begin to believe in the importance of our words, then we'll begin having what we say. And I cannot stress the importance of this, beloved. We will have what we say when we believe from our heart that our words carry weight and have importance. So, number one, if we want to have a strong life of faith and get God actively involved in the affairs of our lives, we must hold His Word in high esteem. Number two, if we want to have a strong life of faith and get God actively involved in the affairs of our lives, what, what must we do? We must believe strongly in the importance of our words. If we cast this teaching aside and say it's irrelevant or it doesn't pertain to me, it's going to work whether to our benefit or whether to our detriment. It is going to work regardless. And so I say this, it's time for us to side up with the Word of God and let it work for our benefit. So what we want to do today is just search the Scriptures to discover what they say about our words, the words of our mouths, and I believe what we'll accomplish by this teaching is, number one, for those of you who have never really heard solid teaching along these lines, it's going to really open up to you a new avenue to explore. It's going to inform you about how you can use your words based on the Word of God to your benefit, to your gain in this life. And to those of us who have already been taught along these lines, it's going to really inspire us to be more diligent in using our words properly so that we can benefit thereby. Now, I want you to turn with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 23, and verse 15. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Bible, Proverbs, chapter 23. And all we're going to do, now the Lord said study, to, to teach, to do a study in this and to teach rather than to preach. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to teach. That means you've got your pen and pen or pen or pencil and, and your paper and your pad. And you're ready to go. We're going to look at what the Scriptures say. And basically, that's going to be our foundation. What God's Word has to say about it. And just make brief comments about it. But we want to see what the Bible says about the words of our mouth, our tongue, and their importance. That is the importance of our words. Proverbs 23, verse 15. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart will be glad, even mine. Yes, my heart will rejoice when? When your lips speak right things. I'm reading from the Amplified Bible, 
Proverbs 23, verses 15 and 16. Yes, my heart will rejoice when your lips speak right things. Our desire should be to please the Father in all that we do. If the Father's heart rejoices when our lips speak right things, then obviously He takes pleasure, He takes pleasure in us when we teach our mouths to speak what is right. It pleases the Father. If there's any one reason, we could write down and say, this is one reason why we should begin to understand the importance of our words. It is because the Father's heart is made glad and it rejoices over the fact that His children speak right things. And the opening of their lips utter truth. They they speak princely things. They do not speak evil things. So make note of it. Number one, it's very important that we speak right things because our words bring joy and delight to the Father's heart. Look at Proverbs chapter 15. Or I'm sorry, sorry, Psalms chapter 15. And I want you to see how our words do affect our relationship and fellowship with our Father God. Psalms chapter 15. Our words affect our relationship with our Father God. If we're not experiencing the reality of the Father's presence within our lives, I say this. Go back and check your words. Find out what you've been saying over the past few days. If, now notice this. If you've been saying, well, you know what? Seems like the heaven is brass. Seems like I can't make contact with heaven. Listen to those words. Seems like I just can't experience reality with the Father. Listen to those words. See, once again, our words locate us. They reveal our heart, the condition of our heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So really, our words become the revealer of the heart. I can't experience reality with the Father. I just can't seem to to make contact with heaven. I don't experience the reality of His presence. Look at this. Psalms 15, verse 1. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. In other words, who's going to dwell before your presence? Who's going to experience the reality thereof? Those who speak the truth in their heart. The truth of the matter is, I do have access to the Father's presence. The truth of the matter is, He does accept me just as I am. And if there's anything hindering my approach to His presence, the blood of the Lamb will cover it. Amen. The truth is we are acceptable. We are holy in His sight. And if we'll just begin to speak out the truths of God's holy word, speaking them to our hearts, our hearts will not be deceived. They'll be freed, loosed, and we'll be able to experience that reality of His presence. Many times I've done this just... As a matter of fact, the last couple of times that I've done this, it's been phenomenal. I have experienced, walking into two hospital rooms lately, the manifest presence of God realized in those rooms only because I began to speak the truth of God's Word. As I began to share with the people with what God's Word has to say with regard to their health and well-being and what they can believe, See, the Bible says that if we gather together in His name, He's there in the midst. If we agree in harmony with His holy written word, then Jesus is right there. Well, not only did I know that He was there because He said He was there, but in these two rooms, as I began to speak those words out, there was the mist, glory of God that was manifested. I don't know if anybody else saw it, but I did. And just yesterday, I did, had another visitation uh, up, up in Youngstown and did the same thing a fellow who, who didn't know the Lord and I began to share with this fellow about the things of God as I began to share the plan of salvation and as he began to intently listen to what God was saying all of a sudden it was like we were engulfed in a mist I don't want to say a cloud because it wasn't that profound I mean, it was just like a mist there was a mist there in that room it was as if we were elevated to a higher plane of spiritual awareness His mother was standing right there, but it was almost as if she faded out in the back. And the presence of the Lord was realized in that place. And that fellow made Jesus his Savior and Lord and began to weep before his presence. Who at times past was hardened in his heart and would not come to Jesus. And so once again, as we begin to speak right words and the opening of our mouth utters truth, God is in his word. His presence is manifested and His will is accomplished. So those who speak the truth 
in his heart will dwell in the presence of the living God. So let's not say I can't experience his presence. Let's not say, well, my goodness, I can't seem to get through to the heavens. If that is a natural truth and you feel that way, we walk by faith, not by sight anyhow. If there's any interference between you and the Father, all you've got to do is just go right to the Word of God. Find out what the Bible says. Confess your faults. Confess your sins. And praise God, there is forgiveness. He's merciful to our righteousness. Our sins and iniquities, He remembers no more. Say that. State it. And say, Father, I have free access now to Your presence. I come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain my mercy and find my grace to help in time of need. And I thank You, dear Father God, that You accept me just as I am because You love me and I'm Your child. And before You know it, my brother and sister, You'll be in His presence. It'll be realized right there because of the words of your mouth. That's what you experience. Okay? Proverbs chapter 6. Another thing concerning the words of our mouth, Proverbs chapter 6. Our words affect our relationship with the Father, whether we realize it or whether we do not. Our words affect our relationship with our Father. He is pleased when we speak right things. He is displeased when our lips speak wrong things. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. These six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven are abomination unto Him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift to, in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. When you speak out words among the people of God, among the brethren, that are in disharmony with what God's will is for that assembly, you sow discord to bring division and schism among the body. You know what? The, the Bible says that that interferes with our relationship with the Father God because He hates that. So His heart rejoices when we speak what? Right things. He is displeased, sorely displeased when we speak what? Wrong things. So you see, beloved, number one we're talking about here. And not only do we experience what we experience in everyday life because of the words that we spoke yesterday, but also our words have an effect upon our relationship with the Father God. He's either pleased with what we say or He's displeased with what we say. He joys, you see, and rejoices over the words of our mouth or He hates. Solely displeased with what we are saying. It's an abomination unto Him. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. I don't want to go too, too fast, but I want to get it all in. So if you just bear with me, please. Proverbs 18, 21. I prefer to do it in one lesson than to make it a, a series. So if we can just get it all together, praise God, we'll share some truth that will be beneficial to all of our lives. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Our words, then, can activate the forces of death, or our words can activate the forces of life. I would say, if that's the case, then our words are extremely important. Wouldn't you say? Our words can activate the power of death, or our words can activate the power of life. Now, in connection with that, look at 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Let's let God's Word answer our questions. And let's establish line upon line, uh, line upon line, precept upon precept, what God's Word says about these great issues, these important issues. Are the words of our mouth very important? Well, the Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. In other words, we're going to enjoy... Or not enjoy things in our lives based on the words of our mouth. We'll activate the forces of life by the words we speak. We'll activate the forces of death by the words that we speak. So our words carry much weight and importance when it comes to activating life and death and the forces thereof. First Peter chapter 3 verse 10. For he that will love life and see good days, let him what? Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips they speak no gal. Notice this, in connection with long life and good days. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no gal. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. The eyes are upon the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. But here is the emphasis. If we want to have long life, if we want to have good days, then it's important that we do something with our tongue and understand the importance of our words. Now, let me show you that as an example in the book of Numbers. Go on back to the book of Numbers, chapter 14. Very quickly, we'll give you a biblical illustration that will enlighten us as to the fact that we can truly activate the forces of life or the forces of death by the words of our mouth. 
Very quickly, Numbers chapter 14, you know what the story, you know what happened. Uh, the ten spy, 12 spies went to spy out the land. Two spies came back with a good report. Ten spies came back with an evil report. A good report is one of faith. They spoke words of faith concerning the situation. All 12 saw the same thing. They saw the same land, saw the same giants, saw the same circumstances, saw the same problems, saw the same blessings, saw the same cursing, saw everything that was there. They saw it all. It was identical. Not a different situation. No, all identical. Everything was identical. Twelve spies saw the same thing. Ten spies focused in on all the problems. Two spies focused in on God Himself and set our eyes are upon you. Now the Bible says in Numbers chapter 14, verse, look at verse 26. And the Lord said, or spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation? Talking about His people, which murmur, speak words against me. I have heard the words, the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur or speak against me. Saying to them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord. Beloved, if it's as truly as he lives, God lives. It's true. It's going to happen. Notice this. As you have spoken. As you have spoken in my ears. In other words, the words that you have chosen to speak in my ears will be fulfilled. So will I do unto you. What shall they have? They shall have whatsoever they say. Go on to verse 30 of, cha- uh, verse 30 of chapter uh, 13. Numbers 13, verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, words of his mouth, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able. We see one word difference. We, we are able, we are not able. We are able, we are not able. Two said we are able, ten said we are not able. The congregation chose to side up with the murmurings of the ten. And they said, we are not able. We are grasshoppers in their sight. They are giants in our sight. We are not able. They are focusing on the problem. They are not focusing in on the almightiness of their loving God. But the men said, we're not able, for the people are stronger than we. Now look at the very first part of verse 32. And they brought up an evil report of the land. Notice it is an evil report. Let him refrain his lips, his tongue from evil. Let them refrain their tongues from what? Evil. See, we've never recognized doubt and unbelief as being evil. Drugs, alcohol, fornication, adultery, all these things, that's evil. But notice, doubt and unbelief are evil in the sight of God. They brought up an evil report. The Bible said in Hebrews 4, they had in them an evil heart of unbelief. And they spoke out evil. For the good man, out of the good deposits of his heart, brings forth good things. The evil man, out of the evil deposits of his heart, bringeth forth evil things. See, they brought forth evil, and they were judged by their words. And what happened was, what they spoke, he said, will be fulfilled in your lives. You said, you die, you'll die. So if we want long life, we can't speak evil things. If we want length of days, we can't speak evil things. See, what they spoke, they got, they received. They activated the forces, the powers that destroyed their lives, and their lives were destroyed in the wilderness, and they never were able to experience the full blessings of God. Why? By the words of their mouth. They had whatsoever they said. I wish we had time to elaborate, but we can't. Let's go on. Let's notice here in Proverbs chapter 9 now. Go to Proverbs chapter 9 with me. Not only did they die prematurely, but while they were alive, they didn't, they, they didn't experience a good quality of life. They experienced all kind of heartache and misery and problems and all that sort of thing. They were in the wilderness because God can never get them to understand about the confession of their mouth. The words that they spoke. Now look at Proverbs chapter 9 concerning life, long life and length of days. Proverbs 9 verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. For by me, that is the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, for by me thy day shall be multiplied, and the years of thy life shall be increased. Now that's long life, if you love life. But now let's define what the fear of the Lord is. In Psalms 34, it's close by, Psalms 34, it's the fear of the Lord that's the beginning of wisdom. Psalms 34, let's look at that. It's the fear of the Lord that's the beginning of wisdom, 
that will add to our lives length of days, long life, and peace. Now, what is the fear of the Lord? Psalms 37. Psalms 34, rather. And, well, let's start at verse 9. Psalms 34, verse 9. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack, suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, or the alphabet, or the principal part of wisdom. What man is he that desireth life, and loveth many days, that he may see good? He said, by the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, our days will be prolonged upon the earth. He says, here I'll define what to, to you what the fear of the Lord is. Keep thy tongue from evil. And thy lips from speaking guile. Do you see that? Once again. Now see, many would want to just refute this or just, just don't look at it or ignore it. It doesn't matter whether we ignore it, accept it, recognize it or not. It's true nonetheless. I said it's true nonetheless. It has an effect upon whether or not we activate the forces of life or the forces of death within our lives. And so you see, beloved, the fear of the Lord, which is keeping our tongue from evil on our lips and speaking out. And let's say it like this. Those Israelites could have kept that knot out of their vocabulary just as easily as Joshua and Caleb did. Couldn't they have? One word. You know, you can say, I can just as well as you can say, I cannot. You know, you can say, we can do all things through Christ just as quickly as we can say, we can't do it. Do you see that? I'm going to show something out there that's going to be a blessing. For those who have been saying, I just can't seem to get my healing. See, you didn't realize that when you said that, because we do it unconsciously, I just can't seem to get my healing, that that confession was preventing you from receiving your healing. Because that is a confession of the heart that's released through the words of your mouth. And when you keep saying that, then you see it affects whether or not God can move upon your behalf in your life upon your life to accomplish the purpose of His will. Okay, let's go. Proverbs chapter 12. Let's look at that. Now, this is talking about our health. Our words can activate the forces of life and death, and our words can also affect our health. Proverbs chapter 12, and we look at verse 18. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise or of the learned... The tongue of the wise or of the learned is what? Health. Notice again, there is that speaketh like the piercing of the sword, but the tongue of the wise, the one who has taught his mouth to speak right things, the tongue of the wise produces health or medication or medicine. Now, in Proverbs chapter 3, you're close by, so let's look at that. It will... Include our physical bodies. Let's, let's categorize these. Look at, first of all, our physical body. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord. I'm sorry, verse 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord. What's the fear of the Lord? To depart from evil. To keep our tongue from evil. Our lips from speaking gal is the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. The tongue of the wise is what? Health. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. That's evil speaking and all that. And it shall be health or medication to thy navel, the very center of your being. I did a teaching on this once before. We talked about it as being the umbilical cord. Where that baby receives all the nutriment, all that it needs to be healthy and sound in its body from the mother. Well, when we choose to walk in the wisdom of God and speak forth right things, it's just like we have an umbilical cord to God. His very life and health is imparted to us as a medicine, and it provides for us health and soundness and wholeness and well-being in our physical body. It will be health to your navel and marrow to thy bones. Now notice Proverbs chapter 21. That's talking about our physical body, but in Proverbs chapter 21, and I pray that you're writing these things down because you'll have to meditate and ponder upon these things afterward. This is too much to receive in one lesson. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 23. Whoso keepeth his mouth, or the words of his mouth, and his tongue, 
Well, from what? By now we know from speaking guile and from speaking evil, which is speaking doubt and unbelief, and everything that is in opposition to what God's Word says about our lives. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue. Now, for those of you who have ever suffered in your mind emotional problems, emotional troubles, any kind of mental illness, or if you know of somebody who is suffering mental illness, any kind of emotional problem, emotional distress, or whatever the case is, if you know somebody, write this scripture down. Don't make light of it. Write it down. Because not only does it control our physical body, but notice this. It says, Whoso keepeth his mouth and tongue will keep his soul. The soulless part of man is comprised of his emotion and his will, his intellect. Talking about his mind, it's the mind of the man. From what? Troubles. It'll keep his soul from experiencing trouble. If we have a troubled mind, if we have emotional troubles, if you know somebody's experiencing emotional trouble, notice this. The Bible says if they'll learn to keep their mouth and tongue, then it will deliver them or it will prevent them or keep them from experiencing emotional problems. Well, I wish we could elaborate on that. But let's go to the next one. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24. Proverbs 16, verse 24. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul. See, it brings sweetness to the soul. Words that are pleasant. Words that are faith-filled. Words that are power-filled with the life and the Word of God. Those words are sweet to the soul. They bring sweetness to our soul. So that we don't have to experience trouble in our soul, in our emotional realm. And they are also something that we've never looked into, that doctors have never looked into. They are also health to what? Healthy bones. Praise God that He has provided for us a way to have health in our bones in our physical body, and in our minds. But when you try once again to share this with other people, sometimes there's difficulty because of a lack of knowledge or understanding. And the Bible says my people perish for what? Right, for the lack of knowledge. I'm going to tell you something. There's another scripture we're close by. Look at Proverbs chapter 12. We're going to skip around and go to this. I need to get this in here right now. Proverbs chapter 12 once again. The words of the wicked are to lie in wait for blood. But the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. You know what? We can really have a picnic right here. People run everywhere looking for deliverance. And you know what? It's as close as their mouth. Did you ever see that like that before? The mouth of the upright shall deliver them. Well, how's that possible? How does that work? What do you think delivered me from this problem with my knee? My mouth. But I put within my mouth good things. I place within my mouth right things, princely things, things that are full of life. God's words are containers of life. And when you put those words in the heart and begin to speak them from your mouth and you believe strongly in your words, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. If you find yourself in any kind of bondage, unable to overcome that bondage, unable to be set free for any length of time. Beloved, it is the mouth of the upright that shall deliver them. And what we need to put or place within our mouths, within our hearts, is what the Word says about our deliverance. 
Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us out of the powers of darkness and translated us to the kingdom of the Son of His love. And you know what? I find this to be true. When we can get people of God to see that they've already been delivered from the authority of Satan, already been delivered from the powers of darkness, and already translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son of love, when they can see that spiritually, and when they place those words within their mouth and in their hearts and speak those words out, the mouth of the upright shall deliver them, and they'll be set free. And I could name to you some people, praise God, who understand this truth because they've been bound up by medications and, and that sort of thing because of mental conditions or because of emotional conditions. And you know what? Their mouths delivered them. Isn't it amazing that when you take medication, it also goes into the mouth? Most of it has an effect upon your body. But you know what? Those words we speak also will affect us and our mouths will deliver us. Also, what about our judgment? Look at Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Matthew 12, verse 34. Here we have Jesus speaking out again, teaching about our words. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by its fruit. O generation of vipers, how can you speak, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure, that word is deposit of the heart in the Greek, bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil deposits of his heart bringeth forth evil things, out of his mouth that is. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words... Thou shalt be condemned. If you've never read this in this light before, beloved, it's time to tremble. And write this down. Our words serve as the basis for our judgment or our justification. Our words serve as the basis for our judgment and our justification. By our very words, we will be justified. And by our very words, we will be condemned. In other words, guilt and condemnation and judgment can be brought upon ourselves because of our own words. We speak out words. Romans says, you speak, you that teachest. You speak and say, thou shalt not commit adultery. Dost thou commit adultery? You speak and say, you should not do this or you should not do that. Dost thou do this? Dost thou do that? Therefore, O man, thou that judgest, you better watch out. Because James says, be not many teachers. Be not many Masters, teachers, or rabbis. In other words, someone who is a teacher of the truth. Why? Recognizing or realizing that we're under the greater condemnation. For our words have the potential to judge our very lives. Knowing ye shall receive the greater condemnation. No matter what level we're at. Officially, official level, or an unofficial level. Someone who's just out there telling people what they should be doing according to the Word of God who does not stand in the official office of a teacher. And also somebody who stands in the official office of a teacher who proclaims the truth of God's Holy Word unto those who are out there listening to it. There is potential danger for that person to be judged by the very words of his own mouth. And that's why James says, be not many masters, knowing the potential danger of speaking forth words that can judge your very life. For you're speaking that you should do this and you're not doing it. It would make anyone tremble. But by thy words thou shalt be justified. How are we justified? Praise God. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved or justified. For with the heart man believeth, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's coming that day that God's going to bring back the words that people have spoken out there on Judgment Day, especially on the day of the great white throne judgment. And there will be those who had poison in their mouth, poison of ass in their mouth, who speak forth terrible things. You know, you can tell somebody whether they're saved or not by the words that they speak. Just listen to them talk. You know that they're not saved. And some believers better get a hold of of the Word of God and put that in their mouth so that we can really recognize that they're saved also and speaking forth good things and right things. Can you say amen to that? And get it cleaned up. You know what I'm talking about? But on the day of that great white throne judgment, do you think that Jesus is going to stand there and just condemn them to the face? I'll tell you what, their very words. 
He's going to play back all those times that you walked across the path of their life and you said, look, you've got to be born again. Look, you've got to be saved. You've got to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. And right there, they're going to see themselves speaking out. They're going to hear their very words. I don't believe I'll do it now. By their words, they'll be condemned. So our words serve as the basis for our judgment or justification. And here's another one which we need to get to if we can real quick. James chapter 1 verse 26. Can you turn to that quickly? James chapter 1 verse 26. Because this involves all of our lives. And beloved, I don't know about you, but it's, it's causing me to be more aware of the importance of what we say. The importance of a word. Not to get to a place where you're so in bondage that you misuse these things. But I'm talking about to where you recognize the importance of your words, of my words. And we understand how God needs us to cooperate with His word. How? By getting His word in our hearts and mouths. And bridling our tongues so that we can experience reality with Him. Look at James chapter 1 verse 26. And here it says, and write it down. First, let me read it. If any man among you seem to be religious or to, uh, to experience religion in his life, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain or useless. Write it down. Our religious service is useless. Unless we learn to put a bridle on our, to bridle our tongue. That means it's without effect. It is ineffective. No matter how religious we seem to be, how many good deeds we seem to do, if we do not bridle our tongues, he says, then our religion is useless. It is in vain. I like to put it this way. Look at James chapter 3. You're right there. You're close by. Our words gauge our spirituality. Our words, the words that we speak, gauge our spirituality. And controlling our words or controlling our tongue is a mark of spirituality or Christian maturity and a means to obtaining it. Our words gauge our spirituality. Controlling our words or our tongue is a mark of Christian maturity and a means to obtaining it. For if in, in, in verse 2, James 3, 2, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. The word perfect in the Greek just means spiritually mature. In other words, if he is able to do something about controlling the words of his mouth, he recognizes the importance of his words and he does something... In other words, he begins to set in motion the dynamics that are going to do something about the words of his mouth, to control the words of his mouth. He says, that man is a spiritual man who is ceasing from sin. He is one who is mature. He has learned how to develop spiritually. He's also able to bridle his whole body, which we'll get next. But first of all, do you remember what, what was said in John seven forty six about Jesus? Never yet, never yet has a man spake words like this man has spoken. That's what they said. I've ne- they went there to get a hold of him and, and, and to arrest him. And when he got there, he couldn't do it because he says, never have I ever heard a man speak. Jesus possessed the tongue of the learned. No evil, the Bible says, and there was no gal found in his mouth. Even when he was crucified, it says, he openeth not his mouth, not to say one thing against his accusers, but he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Never yet has a man spoken like this man has spoken before, and his words just mesmerized me. They were controlled by the words of his mouth. Jesus was matured spiritually, and it, it was shown by the words of his mouth. But I look at the next part of that and write it down. Another thing. Controlling our words enables us to control our fleshly impulses and evil tendencies. Controlling our words enables us to control our fleshly impulses and our evil tendencies. Here it says that if if a man is, is able to control his tongue, he's able also to bridle the whole body and prevent defilement. 
because the tongue will bring forth evil that will pollute the entire makeup of the body. It will set in, in motion the course of nature which is set on fire of hell. It's a little matter that boasts great things. That little thing can destroy a home. It can destroy a marriage. It can destroy a family. It can destroy a church body. It can destroy a nation if it's allowed to run rampant, uncontrolled, or unbridled. It's a little matter. It boasts great things, and rightfully so, because it can do all that immense damage if we allow it to do so. It will defile or pollute our very body. If we allow bitterness to spring up within our heart, the Bible says we'll be defiled. And what is bitterness? Speaking out things. We allow things to get in our heart, resentment and bitterness, and we speak out those things, and it, it, it just rises up on the inside of us. Let me show you another scripture that confirms this. Matthew 15, real quick. 15, chapter of the book of Matthew. And one more scripture, and we'll close it there. Ephesians chapter 4. Matthew 15, Ephesians chapter 4. Matthew 15. Controlling our words enables us to control our fleshly impulses and evil tendencies. It will prevent us from being defiled in our entire makeup. Matthew 15, verse 16. And Jesus said, Are you also yet without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatsoever entereth into the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out in the draft? But those things which proceed out of the mouth... Well, what are those things that proceed out of the mouth? I think they're called words. Our words come forth from the heart... And they defile, pollute, contaminate the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed and hands defileth not a man. Here we see that the words that we speak can actually defile us, pollute us, corrupt us, contaminate us to such a degree that we can lose within our lives the very poison of hell itself. It'll rise up within us and contaminate us. And look at this last scripture in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Another thing that is affected by the words of our mouth. Ephesians chapter 4. Very, very, very important if we're going to be led by the Spirit of God. If we're going to cooperate with the Spirit of God. Whether it be in our individual lives or when we gather together as a body. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearer, and grieve not the Spirit of God. And grieve not the Spirit of God. You know the Spirit of God is grieved when we say, I can't seem to get my healing. The Spirit of God is grieved when we say, I cannot hear the voice of the Father. The Spirit of God is grieved when we say, I cannot meet my monthly obligations when it comes to my finances. Financial affairs. The Spirit of God is grieved when we say, I just cannot seem to find a job in the Beaver Valley. The Spirit of God is grieved when we say, I just cannot seem to do this. I just will not be able to do that. We grieve the Spirit of God when we say, I cannot stop smoking. I cannot stop drinking. I cannot stop cussing. I cannot do this. I cannot do that. We grieve the Spirit of God whereby we are sealed to the day of redemption. When we say, I can't be delivered from this fear. I can't be delivered from these voices, from these torments that are coming to my mind. We grieve the Spirit of God. We cause Him to be quenched. We don't activate His, His ministry within our lives. But, beloved, when we teach our tongues to be wise, when we who are wise teach and add learning unto our lips. And we begin to boldly proclaim that we're going to rise up above our circumstances, up beyond whatever uh, dictates to our flesh and that sort of thing. We're going to rise up above that. We're going to take God's Word to heart. We're going to put His words within our hearts. And we are going to begin to speak God's words from our mouths. And we're going to speak them diligently, persistently. We're not going to give up. We're not going to lose heart. We're not going to faint. We're not going to cave in. We're going to speak God's Word with regard. God, our circumstance, we're going to start saying, praise God, I can do all things through Christ who is the strength of my life. Praise God, I can receive my healing. Praise God, my Father God is actively at work in my life. Angels are loose and they're finding me a job in the Beaver Valley or in this location, this tri-state area where I want to work. And if they're not out there, glory to God, the Father's going to create them for me in this, situ in where, in this area where I live. And when we begin to put within our, our hearts and within our mouths, praise God, He is the strength of my life. Whom shall I fear? Fear has no place in my life. Fear cannot torment me. God 
hasn't given me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. When we put God's words in our hearts and God's words in our mouths, we begin to have whatsoever we say. When we say, praise God, I can use that leg like I used to once before. I can still run. I can still cut. I can still jog. I can still do those things because God's power is at work within me. We don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. We loose Him. We activate Him. And you know what? He's creative. He begins to create those things in our lives and realities begin to take place. For those of you that have been saying, I just can't seem to to do anything about my husband. I can't seem to do anything about my wife. Start changing what you're saying. Make the highway for God to move. Because as long as you're saying it, when it comes to your business affairs... This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein by day and night, that thou mayest be able to observe to do all according to all that is written therein. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Then thou shalt have good success. In other words, our words affect our prosperity and success in life. Well, we can go on forever. Let's stand before the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.